0: How we consume media. I mean, media used to be so simple. You just, you know, you bought the media and you put it on a player or you watch TV. Or you went to the movie and listened to the radio and played the Victrola. But it was, maybe it's a different world, but this is the Overnightscape Central. I'm Brett, a.k.a. P.Q. River, and uh, we're here to discuss how we consume media here on this particular episode. And we've got new, new people. We've got James, uh, who's new to the channel. He does James Coffee Blog Show. Two episodes already. Uh, I think his first episode posted last week about the time The Central did. And he's been kind enough to join us fresh into our, his overnightscape underground tenure which we all hope will be a long one. Welcome, in case I haven't before, uh, and I haven't welcomed you here on the Central. And we're glad to have you, and I hope you participate. And Frank Edward Nor is here, of course. And uh, it's a holiday weekend, so I didn't expect you this time. But next week, well, we'll announce the topic for next week at the end of the show. And uh, I hope you will rejoin us after our long Beatles series, which seems to have worn everyone out, Um, but I know you're out there, and I know you've got some ideas, and even if you want to address this afterwards, we have a feature called the follow-up, and you're more than welcome to follow up on this topic, because this has really changed so drastically for me just recently, much less over the last 15 years once we have the internet and it starts getting filled up with so-called content this whole thing changed and continues to change quite a bit Um, but before uh, i start driveling too much let's hear what james has to say as the overnight scape central discusses how we consume media
1: to really record something. Um, And uh, secondly, through what lens should I consider the topic consuming media? Um, And so I took a couple notes about um, different ways, or rather, different subsections of media. And I went in with the question, what constitutes media? Um, is media um television? Is it radio broadcasting? Is it, um, is it uh, newspapers? And so um, I the first one I want to talk about is newspapers. Um, I have been reading physical newspapers um, on most weekends now for at least a year. Um, and they hold a special place in my both my media consumption, but also my life uh, more broadly. When I read a newspaper, I have over time, um, I tried to commit to focusing only on the newspaper. And so, um, although sometimes when I have um, a technical topic on my mind, uh, I do, my thoughts go elsewhere. Um, but generally when I have a newspaper, I I am kind of immersed in it and, uh, I'm focused on the words on the page and um, all of the stories. What I love about the newspaper is when I open it up, um, even though the newspaper I read The Guardian, and um, I check news on their websites um, quite regularly, uh, I am I'm know that in that newspaper there's going to be something that maybe I would never traditionally read. Uh, so maybe it's a it's an opinion article on a topic that I don't know much about, or maybe it's a special um, uh, uh, entry in the newspaper, um, or maybe it's a like a new piece of investigative journalism uh, that I may not sit down and read in full um, if it's online. Newspapers give me mental headspace in a way. And I'm. I'm thinking about the journalism and the stories um, rather than, uh, say, a particular programming topic or um, me wanting to uh, do some writing or, or do something else. And um, so in that way, I find reading newspapers quite relaxing uh, and also because they're, they're somewhat uh ethermal in the sense that if you don't read the newspaper that day, then there's tomorrow's news. Um, I never really feel compelled to finish the newspaper, which is a problem I have with books and, uh, and that kind of introduces a bit of uh, tension about, um, I guess, or rather uh, a focus on finishing the book rather than kind of what's going on. But with a newspaper, I, I take what I'm interested in or read what I'm interested in in the publication. Um, and then I know that next time that I would like to read a newspaper, um, there will be a new selection of stories from which I can pick. Um, and so, uh, I I truly do love newspapers. The Guardian, uh, being my paper of choice, the, the rigorous journalism um, really um, is uh i guess i'm trying to find an appropriate adjective it's a a true testament to what strong journalism can be um i i have read i've read so many different types of content in the Guardian and every time i'm uh i'm kind of not bewildered but uh, fascinated by the amount of time and effort that, that's gone into um, a single piece of content. Uh, and uh, sometimes I find myself uh, scrutinising every paragraph for like, typographical errors, thinking about all the publishing process, and uh, the night before, them, um, kind of cramming to get a story out before the day's um, papers are printed. And then there's the days when uh, I have a paper in my hand uh, and I know that a big story has emerged, and it's not reported in the newspaper because printing must have um, must have progressed prior to to the announcements. Those are really interesting times, and again, it's all never happened once. Uh, but it, it was almost jarring reading the newspaper, knowing that it wasn't quite the news of the day because there was a story that came out later the previous day. Um, so that was interesting, and um, I. I really appreciate um, I appreciate it when uh, newspapers are delivered really early in the morning and, and just because uh, sometimes I go places or rather in the past I've gone places and um, maybe it's been uh, kind of uh, like uh, almost mid morning and I've not been able to get a newspaper but um, yeah it's it's nice you walk into a shop, they have newspapers, and immediately, like, uh, I'll, I'll pick up newspaper, I might glance at the headline, and I know that um, that's going to occupy some of the hours of my day. So, newspapers are a big way I consume media, um, particularly news. Um, whereas, let, let me segue to another uh, topic um, television. Uh, how how I and how we consume television. One thing that I've never um, really appreciated, other than on a technical level, is uh, content recommendations for for um, uh, television and movies. And uh, I I recall maybe following a feud, although I can't name them um but oftentimes i get my recommendations uh for what to watch on television from friends um, from other people's blogs who say that they've enjoyed a series they've enjoyed a movie um and that that uh kind of excites me and uh, they've taken time to write about that um and and i'm appreciative so i may then uh, look at some media whereas algorithmic um kind of uh selection and uh, presentation of uh, content that you might, might like it feels less compelling to me and um, and perhaps because i don't watch um too much television that when i do watch it i i want to sit down and watch something that like i know i i know i like Um if i chat with a friend and i'm like i like these things then they can sort of um give me the recommendations and they can do a bit of pruning based on what they liked um so yeah, I I'm very uh, dependent on personal recommendations for for television and movies and it it, it it has worked really well. Um some of my favorite types of television are um romantic comedies or more broadly any comedy. Um and also uh, sort of like the movies that you would constitute being uh, like bad almost but not not because you can't watch them but because um they may have had, although in most cases they probably had the lower budget, Um, but um, I, like you still feel compelled to watch them because you're interested in the storyline. But you know, like the production isn't great, um, uh, or like you know what's going to happen, but you're you're just kind of uh this this the movie in particular is captivated you in some way. Um, I do recall there being a case for a movie that was uh very. Um, it had a large budget, and it it just really it it was in a world of its own in terms of the the final result of the movie, and I can't recall the name right now. Um, but yeah, so for I'm I'm dependent on recommendations there. Um, whereas with uh, to contrast that with the newspaper, um, like other people, I. Uh, Uh, The editors are curating stories that go in the newspaper and working to um, meet deadlines. Um, And I guess in the case of the newspaper, I'm kind of, uh, I have a belief in the publication. Um, And so I know with The Guardian uh, that they cover certain things in some ways, but I also um, kind of know that the newspaper uh, kind of meets my... uh, Meets my expectation for the content in my newspaper. Whereas, like the Financial Times, for instance, is uh, firstly, it's incredibly difficult to hold, um, but it's a large uh, paper. Um, and I'm not too big of a fan of the way that it's uh, laid out. Uh, the articles are very heavily business, but not. Um, not the topics i'm generally interested in um whereas what i like again about the guardian is the the mix of content there and um, i recall a few weeks ago reading in the letters section or readers letters section that uh somebody had said that uh like some a guardian writer or something was wrong on something and it was published in the paper and i find that humbling uh seeing those those contrasting views to the publication elevating um this person's reservation about a piece of content and it being in print um, so I guess that's not so much how we consume media as it is and um, like interesting observations of media and um, but I do enjoy the physical uh, like physical publications and uh, but to bring it back to the online world, so I've spoken about newspapers and television shows, I do want to talk about RSS and uh, digital content consumption. I, I do read the news through uh, like the Guardian and the BBC websites, um, and I do so uh, more regularly than I would like, not so much to read a piece in depth, although I do if I'm interested in something, so much as to check if there is something uh, available or rather rather a new new story um and um i don't do too much but certainly more than i would like uh one one method of consuming content i do enjoy is rss or more broadly and this is a separate topic of discussion um emerging uh ways of consuming content on the social web so mastodon and blue sky um posts being an interesting kind of playground there where you could have your own feeds uh, that you've really curated or almost engineered for those platforms rss is similar uh, but for the blogs and um and youtube videos and so many other things so online i'm i'm heavily dependent on rss for keeping up to date with friends blogs and um some technical blogs too um youtube channels that I like. I'm not a big fan of all the content recommendations on Google and uh, my RSS reader kind of isolates me from that. At this point, I, I think um, YouTube uh, knows that I enjoy Taylor Swift music. Um, I generally go there and listen to Taylor Swift music exclusively, uh, save for the the other three channels I follow, The um, Veritasium, James Hoffman, and um, uh, Chris Casagt. So I I like how uh, with the RSS reader you're able to choose your own reader experience. That you can engage through whatever user interface that you like. Um, there being many options available, I did struggle to find one that I liked. A lot of them were uh, had an older aesthetic that I didn't um, appreciate as much, or uh, as uh, as uh, eye catching as those. And uh, interfaces were. Um, I've settled on a tool called Monocle and um, maintained by Aaron Parecki in the IndieWeb community and um, Monocle uh, uses a, another protocol called MicroStub, uh which enables more features than say, a traditional RSS reader um, and integrates very well into a related concept to MicroPub with a P and um, for uh publishing content so you, uh i i don't like to call it an rss reader i like to call monocle a social reader because not only can i um read content from other people i can also like like it and that like is posted on my website i can comment and that comments posted on my website and um i could send that to the other person um or like i can do a repost on my site and all these uh, social interactions those being interesting because first it's kind of like having a bookmarking engine in your reader but secondly um, it it allows me to share content out there that I find interesting um, and do so on a platform I own so um, I I like that aspect and I would like to see more of kind of digital media consumption and being decentralized um, in that, excuse me, in that way where you, rather than going to a single platform for your content, um, you can uh, migrate between different platforms and you can choose different algorithms and such. I do think a lot of work is needed on the user interface part of that. Um, I think Mastodon has run into issues where uh, like you can signing up is quite confusing and there's all these decisions you need to make what instance um, and um, and like how do you get started uh, i hope that blue sky doesn't fall into that trap another um decentralized um social network or rather uh, burgeoning decentralized social network i should say is there they're in earliest earlier stages of developments um yeah the user experiences are are really key there and I think, as platforms refine those experiences and um, I hope that more people will will change uh, and explore different platforms uh they're always been the case though, and I'm fascinated by this question, so the theme of this um podcast is is present and engaging for me um how other people consume media too. Because when we're building tools uh, to help people consume media, like uh, new social readers and and feed experiences, um, there's ultimately that we're doing it for users uh, or rather, we're doing it for people, I should say. Um, The decisions made in curating content and such um, ultimately decide what people do see versus don't see. And that's, that's a real obligation that um, that one needs to take seriously. Uh, so it will be interesting uh, to see what ecosystem emerges there. Uh, one thing I've been thinking about recently is um, ways to filter out uh, research papers to help me find ones that may be more interesting to me. Um, there have been many technical implementations uh, to do that, which I'm not going to get into here. Um, but I I could imagine a web where you could build all those sorts of experiences for yourself. Maybe you could have like um like a, a user interface, a really simple user interface to help people start to select things on different topics that they would like to hear about. So maybe um you would like to read about UK politics, for example, then uh, like you could have a feed for that. Um and I don't know, um, Yeah, I don't want to get into too many engineering things, uh, in, in this podcast, but suffice to say, I think there's a lot of creativity that, um, that could emerge from this question of, um, alternate ways of consuming media on, on the web. Ultimately though, um, a key part of, like what, um, I guess a key part of uh, consumption is there being uh such uh high quality content available? So, um, like my social feed is interspersed, uh, has interspersed um between uh, entries things like photos of people's coffee, um, mastodon toots, um, and the longer, far more thoughtful, uh, or rather, um, detailed technical pieces uh, that I like to read and other people's personal blogs, and it's nice to be able to curate that experience. Um, and then when I go to The Guardian, and um, it's a different type of content entirely, and I, I'm i always grateful um, when publications put in so much effort into well-researched quality journalism, particularly um, investigative journalism too. Uh, there being so many of examples of, again, the Guardian doing that. Um, I wonder uh, how many times I've said the Guardian this episode, but I've already exhausted. Uh, well, I've spoken about the Guardian a fair bit on my personal blog, so uh, a new audience gives me a chance to uh, to uh, utter some uh, thoughts that I've had that I haven't uh, enumerated in writing. So, yeah. Uh, I believe those were the the three things I, I wanted to talk about on the topic of how we consume media. Um, one one notes is when it comes to consuming media um, with social readers and RSS. I think the question on my mind is always what? How can we do better? And how can we help people craft um, experiences online that that are welcoming to them and provides the content that. Uh, they're interested in the content that they need um so whether it be local news whether it be um uh national news um whatever uh, people are interested in and I feel like decentralized uh, is is a great way to go for that um there. There being the prospects of people being able to compete based on building different feed algorithms um, and so if um, and so we're not beholden to uh, what has previously been the case where a social media platform can change its, its algorithm and um th- that's that's the end uh like one has to use that algorithm now there's no changes beyond the cursory like popular or following or or, or the uh the kind of limited repertoire of algorithms available on larger platforms. Um I shall not ramble on too much more. Um I see I'm, I'm twenty minutes in now. Uh but this has been this has been a fascinating topic to contemplate. Um and I shall leave it to the next person on um on the central to uh outline their thoughts on how we can see media of algorithms available on larger platforms. Um, I shall not ramble on too much more um i see I'm, I'm twenty minutes in now uh but this has been this has been a fascinating topic to contemplate um and I shall leave it to the next person on um on the central to uh to outline their thoughts on how we can see media
0: thanks and welcome again, James. That was food for thought um newspapers. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I'm alone. I used to, to, that was a major way that I took in media. I would look at the daily paper, flip through and see what was going on locally. Um, it, it, I think national news and, you know, bigger news, it's been television in my life for years and years. And I don't know how good or bad that is, but it's just kind of an is thing. But the newspaper, was like a lot of my entertainment and entertainment news you know what was playing in the movies what people thought about that because i used to be a really big movie guy what's going to be on television although tv guide that was just such an iconic magazine in my life that little booklet that would contain just the plan the great plan for the next week and yeah, newspapers. And of course, I used to be a huge fan of the comic strips. And every day I'd have to read all my comics and keep up with Drabble and Charlie Brown and The Phantom. And it, it was all in, a, well, the daily paper where I grew up was the Times Herald Record. And I would just go through that thing every day. And when I got a little older, I'd read things like well, I liked the Daily News and the New York Post because I liked the tabloid size. and the New York Times was always a little too, I don't know, brainy, overwritten, too, I don't know, and, and not enough pictures. that 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 probably was a big thing because I, I liked lots of pictures with my articles and would read news magazines like Newsweek and Time. Uh, and they used to be everywhere. You'd go to the dentist office, you'd, uh, you'd pick up a copy. There would always be a copy of these things laying around. And, of course, the music media, things like, well, there was Rolling Stone. But I kind of like the more alternate ones like Trouser Press and Cream because that was the kind of music I listened to. Uh, and you're a Taylor Swift fan, huh? I, I don't think we've had a Taylor Swift fan on the channel before. So perhaps sometime you could tell us a little more about them because my knowledge of Taylor Swift is extraordinarily limited. And, well, media, right now I, I have switched from having all of this media that I used to have in physical form, like super physical form. Like I say, DVDs, VHS tapes were a big thing at a certain point. And now it's all available on services. Well, there are realms of obtaining, as we call them, places where you can licitly or illicitly download movies and videos and even music. But now there's places like Spotify is just amazing. Almost everything that I kept on hard drives and coveted and was so worried that I would lose the data. It's just there. I don't need it all these drives movies you got netflix that they almost any movie i can think of unless i go into my more obscure silent films which over the past number of years as much as i loved silent film and all that there's a lot of it on youtube by the way i just don't find the time and patience to do that anymore so that between youtube Netflix, and all the other smaller video sites, usually I can find something I want to watch. I mean, Tubi has so many movies, and yes, you may have to see a couple of commercials, but it's it's worthwhile. And you go do something during the commercial, and I'm usually doodling or doing something else while I watch a lot of things. Um, and like Paramount+, Plus has made it possible and palatable for me to watch Deep Space Nine because I could never... It's on at 8 o'clock on weekdays. Well, I don't necessarily feel like at 8 o'clock on weekdays every day to watch. Or you'd have to buy this huge set of DVDs and that becomes ungainly and... I don't know. At the, the, the simplicity of the modern purveyors... Content. I, I, I can't express like archive.org. I, I used to listen to a lot of old-time radio on tapes, and you'd have to buy the tapes or trade the tapes, and now there's these huge, huge collections with everything, things that I never even thought would be available, and collectors and obsessive people have been kind enough to compile them uh, as long as it lasts, and I hope it lasts forever, or it gets replaced by something even more complete, archive.org alone, if that was the only site online uh, to capture media. I mean, even the overnight scape Underground is right there. So it's just a beautiful thing when I think about it. All this RSS stuff, I, mean, I tried using that at the very beginning of when it was, and I, I used it to manage the podcasts that I listen to, but I, I'm not that organized. Maybe it's just the way my brain works. What I would wind up with is I'd subscribe to all these things, and I would be overwhelmed. It would be like subscribing to every magazine that there is and then trying to curate what I want to and not want to. And that was also at a time when hard drives were smaller. So I'd wind up with this huge folder with all of these files and just never get through them, and they, the pile would get bigger and bigger. Uh, I'd, I'd, the immediacy of being able to look for what I want now is just an incredibly beautiful thing to the way my mind works in any case. And again, thanks for uh, contributing, James. Welcome to the Overnightscape Central, and uh, I hope you continue to put this unique and thoughtful spin on the topics we toss out here because uh, that was just refreshing in so many ways uh, i can't begin to say and um this week it's just james and of course our leader frank edward nora and uh, i'm curious to hear what frank's take on this because this will no doubt be epic
2: so as a kid things were a bit simpler I'm trying to think back to my my earliest memories. Um, definitely, the biggest thing was the television. I think uh, we had. Uh, I think when I was born, my grandfather got us a, a really big color television, which back then in '67, I think color TV was fairly new at that at that point. This was one of those big ones that, of course, was like a piece of furniture with the wood and everything. And uh, so, television, I think. Um, throughout my lifetime, has been sort of the defining form of media. Uh, certainly there's many others, but uh, you just sit in front of the television and you watch it, right? But television has really changed over the years. Um, obviously, when I was start, started watching television, there was just whatever you can get over the air on an antenna, which simplified things greatly. Before cable television... Uh, there were pretty much just, uh, were just 12 channels that you could get on your TV set in what they called VHF, right? Very high frequency, uh, 2 through 13. And there's a whole explanation why there's not a channel 1. I, I know I read about that a number of times. But of those 12, they really didn't want to have too many that were right next to each other because of uh, interference. So when I was growing up, about 7 of the 12 were actually functional. So I had channel 2 which was CBS, and Channel 3 was a Philadelphia NBC, but then 4 was the New York NBC, so that was much came in much better. 5 was an independent station. 6 was a Philadelphia um, ABC. Again, that didn't come in too well, so then 7 was regular ABC. 8, eight's like a mystery. I forget what 8 was. What was going on with 8? I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was the CBS from Philly. 9 was an independent station. Ten No, 10 was the CBS. What the hell was 8? 11 was independent. 12 was whatever. Then 13 was PBS. So, so about, yeah, so there was basically the three big networks, uh, three uh, independent uh, stations, and then PBS. So that makes up the 7 back then. And then, of course, the whole UHF thing, which honestly my entire life growing up, while UHF was still around and still relevant, there was really nothing. It really never amounted to much. If you may remember, I I, did, I read an arti- I actually bought an issue of TV Guide because I wanted to read the article about the UHF gamble. And uh, the bottom line is, uh, you know, it was to expand, obviously, the number of choices. I mean, 12 is really not a lot of channels for any given area. But UHF kind of came along a little late in the process, and as soon as cable started taking off, UHF was pretty much doomed ultra high frequency but that doesn't mean we didn't try we tried to get stuff in because you know consuming television media uh, in before cable was a uh, difficult on a couple uh, angles I mean first of all y- y- the reception a lot of times uh, you tr- you want to watch something and it's all fuzzy and grainy and staticky and you got to try to move the antenna around and when you and and, and sometimes it You 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 touch the antenna and it looks great. Then 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 you let go of it. It gets it it it, it turns fuzzy again. Um, It's just it was just like a whole thing. But then beyond that, it was just what were you going to watch? You were really at the mercy of what was ever was on. So you would flip through the channels. And this is I think a major way that changed how we consume media as far as television goes. Which is in the early days you had to walk up to the TV. It had a dial. You remember the whole don't touch that dial. You know. Uh, And it had this... uh, A lot of them had this uh, very satisfying... As you start turning the dial, there's a bit of resistance, and then you get to the halfway point, and then it sort of pushes it forward for you. It's like a spring kind of action, right? Clunk, 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 going around. Um, And don't forget, also, there were all these... uh, all these uh, different like vertical hold and uh, and tone and hue. There were all of these controls that no one has on their TVs anymore. Maybe they're in the menus of the smart TVs these days. But all these analog buttons and dials and things to try to make it look right. Remember vertical hold? Sometimes the, the screen would just start start like uh, going like sort of flipping around, and you'd have to like like use the vertical hold. It was a whole thing. It was a lot of stuff going on. Um, but, yeah, a lot of times you'd be desperate to see what was on. And then, of course, if you, if you went to a channel where there was a commercial, you wouldn't really know what was on unless you had your TV Guide, which, of course, everyone had TV Guide back then. We subscribed to TV Guide. Uh, of course, other people could eventually, a lot of the local newspapers started, uh, in their Sunday papers, they had a little separate publication that was at the, their own version of TV Guide, Right. So a lot of times you would look at the t v guide or if it wasn't if it was in another room or something you might just uh flip around and see what was on and if there was nothing on, you might get desperate and try to go to the u h f and uh good luck sometimes you would find something sometimes you would find uh these weird scrambled channels that but you could still kind of see it, and sometimes there was like like dirty movies playing on there you could kind of see. It was all wavy and staticky, but if you didn't have the decoder <laughs> anyway um but yeah, so first of all, having to get up to change the channel huge, right um because you're sitting down on the couch on the chair, what have you, and uh you you want to change the channel, but you don't feel like getting up, so you just have to before a remote control, you just had to sit there you know if you didn't have the energy to get up, you just Let's see, do I want to watch these stupid commercials or do I want to get up? Eh, let me just watch the commercials, right? So that chi- that was really uh, a huge difference, right, in, in terms of uh, your interaction and the way we consume media, right? And I think nothing more than television, the, the little means by which you interact with it are so important, right? So then, of course, we get to the remote controls. My, my grandparents had one of the really early ones that uh, – was generating some sort of a high pitched tone uh, sound. I think you would press it down. It's almost like it's like a blowing air through something. It was really weird. It, it 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 made a certain sound. I think it was a sound, and it just I think it just did channel up, channel down. I don't think it did volume or anything. Um, but of course, it's the seventies wore on, I think remote controls became more and more common, and uh, this changed things a lot because now. You could uh, flip through the channels um, from the comfort of your couch, meaning that you were more likely to start flipping around, especially when a commercial came on. It really changed the way you interact with the TV. And now both these methods back in the before cable uh, were instantaneous. If you turned the channel, it the new channel instantly came on. There was no delays, no pauses. It just was endless or rather... The opposite of endless. It was instantaneous. Yes, yes. Instantaneous uh, channel flipping, which would become an issue later. And it's still kind of an issue actually. Um, and then you had uh, you know, so that was a situation and you, you you still had that limitation of, of channels. And now, of course, as in the 70s as it wears on, uh, we start to get the VCR, the video cassette recorder. This then is an amazing uh addition to your TV set really huge because not only could you get pre-recorded programs on cassette you also could record anything you wanted to and if you weren't going to be home or if it was the middle of the night you could set the timer on your VCR to record something uh when you when when you were not able to watch it right now I think from my experience and many people's experience, the mechanisms they chose to sort of set up your, uh, the timing never seemed to work right, it was super confusing, it failed a lot. It's just, it was just tough to set it. I, I remember some early, early ones I think had actual little like clocks on them or something, right? Not even digital clocks, like analog clocks. Did they have the hands? I'm not sure, I'm trying to remember. But, you know, how do you actually set it up? Oh, start recording at such and such a time, which was actually really important. And I did use it quite a lot. And But I remember at other times thinking how hard it was to program and how, fail, how it failed a lot. If, if you could just throw in a six-hour tape on the VHS and um, if what you were going to watch was an hour long and it was coming on in four hours, just start recording. You're guaranteed to get it. None of that timing crap going on. But anyway, now when you sit down to watch TV, you could choose, you could flip through the channels, look through your TV guide, uh, or choose a pre-recorded tape, put it in your VCR, and now you can watch uh, uh, what you want, you can pause it, you can restart it, you can just, right? So that, and then of course, back then, buying it like a movie on on uh, on, the, on tape was kind of expensive, so there were the advent of the video stores. You could actually go to a, a video store and rent a movie for a day or two and watch it while you had it. Right? So these all were like um, the the number of options you had. Like at home, you might start building up your collection of either stuff you taped off TV or tapes you owned or go to the store and uh, and get one but still, and, and get a tape. And really it sort of felt like going to the video store was the beginning of this... Uh, so, uh, from the perspective of television, of course, was the beginning of this like what the hell? Is that a bug? <laughs> no, it is a bug. It's a weird, weird little. That's so weird. It's almost like a little beetle, but it's miniature. Mm. Um, there being almost too much choice, you know, to the point of the amount of choice that you're presented with influences and affects the entire experience, right? So it's it's going to inform the entire experience, right? at home you only have a limited amount but going to the video store now you have a much wider range of choice so still a few thousand perhaps uh... video tapes to choose from in a video store then we get to cable television and uh... this now starts to add a lot more channels i think thirty forty in the early cable channel systems and then by now hundreds if not thousands of channels um, and uh, the controls also changed. There was that great Gerald box, a J-E-R-R-O-L-D, I think is the name of it. I don't know if we had, we may have had it, but I know a friend of ours had it. It was uh, a little box with faux wood grain, as most things had back then, the fake wood grain. Is that ever going to come back? Are we going to have like in the 2030s? there's going to be a lot more fake wood grain? Wood fake wood grain is back. I don't know. But it had these little keys on it. You would just When you pressed one down, the previous one that was down went up by mechanical action, right? And then there was three different rows you could select from on a little um, selector switch. And uh, that one, it felt like almost you could sort of switch between channels. You can go between like channel 5 and channel 28, like almost instantaneously. You just got to press down the key and, and hit that little switch. And it felt like, to me, that was sort of my favorite control ever. Even though it was not remote, it was actually a wire coming out of your, the back of your TV or the set-top box or whatever, that uh, uh, you know allowed you to have this Gerald box. I was looking on eBay for them. There's there's a couple that are available. I don't know. It would be interesting to see one in person again, but I don't think I'm going to buy one. There, there's a few. I think you can get them around fifty, eighty dollars now. Fifty to eighty dollars, as they are quite collectible. I would imagine to the to the right people. Uh, but then, more and more, it went to a set-top box with those, uh, the red digital letters, uh, numbers, right? Um, the, just sort of, remember the red light-emitting diodes that were big back then? It was they all red at, as, at one point, and then they figured out other colors. Um, so you would have a, rem- a remote control, and you can control the volume and channel up and channel down, but it was still analog, So, or you could type the number in. Right, you could type the number in, and then you can go to that channel directly. But um, it was still analog, so as you changed a channel, it was just it, you press the button, click, and it's the next channel. Right. Um, so this really changed; it became more of a daunting task to flip through all the channels. Though, of course, you would back then flip through all the channels if you're looking for something to watch, which itself is kind of a fun activity. I don't know what I want to watch. Let me just flip around and see. Uh, But in the analog age, that is, the the set-top box is analog, so there's no delay. When you switch the channel, you instantly see the next channel. But then came digital. Cable systems started using a digital signal, right, over the wires, where I think they could pack in a lot more channels using a digital uh, compression rather than the analog channels. And now, as you tried to change channels, there is a brief pause as the digital information buffers for the next channel. And uh, it it kind of ruined the flipping around experience. I mean, it, it became very unpleasant. And then the cable systems would have... As you're flipping up and down, almost at random, all these channels that you're not subscribed to, like the golf channel or the horse riding channel, and it's like, oh, you, you, you know, you you hit channel up, and then you wait an interminable half second or second, and then you see, ah, the horseback riding channel. Would you like to subscribe to the horseback riding channel? Well, no, but I spent, I wasted a second or two, and then you go to the next channel, and so it, it became. Really annoying. So, that flipping through the channels thing is, uh, became more of a chore and more. So, it really changed the way we cons- I consume television personally. And, you know, that was pretty much. Well, yeah, that was pretty much cable. And even today, if you have a set top box, uh, you'll have a similar situation. My, at my father's house, uh, he still had cable, and I was flipping around the channels fairly recently. Again, it was not not fun anymore. And, of course, then the advent of the DVR, the digital video recorder, where you could much more easily record shows that you wanted to see later. And then I think once we had DVR uh, that, uh, you know, then you could just sort of uh, build up shows to watch and then watch them at your leisure Fast-forwarding through commercials if if they were on broadcast channels, right? I even remember it being important to start watching something if it was an hour long. Start watching like twenty minutes in, so that you could fast-forward through all the commercials, right? Because there's about twenty minutes of commercials in an hour, I think. Anyway, DVR was a big a big uh, big development as well. But then, as time wore on with cable. Uh, I think people, you know, and of course it was the advent of video on the internet, streaming video, right, and then the video services, the Netflixes, Amazon Prime, Hulu, etc. And then the full-blown cable replacements like the one I use, YouTube TV, and there's others. Uh, The cable systems being old and bloated, endless rip-offs, uh, The worst customer service you could possibly imagine. And uh, their set-top boxes, their technology was always 10 or 15 years outdated. Uh, What miserable companies and complete assholes. I mean, if you've ever had to call your cable company with any kind of a problem, it was just torture. So I did cut the cord when I moved here got we we got YouTube TV and we've never looked back and especially the coaxial cable there's still coaxial cable all over this house they used to, have to they used to have to snake it around everyone's house so you could any room you wanted a TV you had to have coax oh it's such a relief to be rid of all that but now we get to the present where I have so what am I when it comes to what used to be television what is my current viewing a situation to consume that video content. Well, I'd say, as it is right now, I really hardly watch anything on a television set anymore. Uh, I will most commonly watch when I do watch stuff, uh, I'll just watch it on my computer. And, uh... Yeah, because my computer has all the same stuff that would be on the TV. Right? And... uh, No longer do we have any problem with what to watch. Well, we do have a new problem with what to watch is that you have to decide what to watch, right? It's an essential difference because back in the day, you flipped through those channels and you had to choose one of seven channels that were on and that was it,
0: right? Yeah, especially with watching or or just having music. I mean, what was coming out of that thing was all you had. And now, I mean, with the DVR, I've never had one. But it would have been the same thing that I described with the real simple subscription. Before long, I would have this drive full of stuff that, okay, I'll watch it later. And I'm never going to watch all that stuff. And when you're given the opportunity, especially the way, you know, again, my brain works. Oh, I'll watch that eventually. And I, I just recently did a purge of data. I, and I had drives and drives full of music. I'll li- oh, I'll listen. I'll watch. I'll consume that data at some point. I'm saving it, and it's like, I did. What are you saving it for? Uh, it's also a process. I, I guess maybe if I were younger and I stopped at some point, I could catch up. But I, uh, I don't see ever catching up. With, like Frank says, just the choices with the internet, what I could watch or not watch or listen to or not listen to or read. I mean, we haven't even talked about the comic books that, you know, you'd buy a stack of comic books and be all excited you're going to have stuff to read for a little while. Now, there's sites and sources where there's more comic books that I could ever read, and at a certain point, when something becomes so common, you almost overload on it. It's it's really a strange experience uh, because I would imagine, you know, younger people, this is just the way it's always been. And that makes me feel very old. I came from like these antique times where everything was so... And when I try to explain it to younger people, it's like, okay, grandpa, I don't know. And, and I completely forgot about just the innovation of, like Frank said, having a remote control for the first time. Because, you know, we were, as kids, we sat closer to the TV. We watched a lot of TV most weekday evenings with my aunt next door. And we'd sit by the TV and we'd be the ones who had to change the channel. And you'd have to get up and, oh man, once you could just sit there with the remote, but you or that that was just a miracle in and of itself. Uh, it's, it's just unbelievable. It's just, and, and the old cable boxes Frank's talking about people collect, what does one do with one of those old cable boxes? I mean, in my head, it would be very nostalgic to have one just sitting up. I don't know, have a TV anymore, and you can't put something on top of your TV because it's this flat thing. Uh, TV used to be this big bulky I mean that color TV that the Norah's got when Frank was born in what 1967 that that thing must have weighed half a ton that now it, you got it, like Frank says you watch your stuff on your computer your laptop and you can take it anywhere there it is just sit it on your lap when you're in the bathroom or whatever it's just a miraculous thing. I mean, you. I, I remember when a transistor radio, one of those rectangular, bulky things, was like portable music, and it sounded so tinny and bad, and it was just a radio. So, where I grew up, you never had that perfect reception unless you listened to the local station, which played like, I don't know, what we would call adult contemporary. You know, I wanted to hear the Beatles and this Johnny Mathis and Perry Como. My Perry Como record. But, oh, these changes and the more I'm actually worried. This is fascinating that we're examining this because, yeah, just so much of it right there in this little flat object that hooks up to the magic internet. It mind boggling.
2: The more choice you have right it's good in one way in that yes you can find something that you would really like to watch but then the burden's on you to decide what to watch to research it to understand it to tune to the channel etc but now even though it's just a computer or a phone or whatever i am i feel uncomfortable i don't even know all the streaming services i have anymore what do i have i have Disney Plus, I think we have Hulu, Amazon Prime, Netflix, yada, yada. Uh, Max, formerly HBO Max. So I don't even know what I what services I have. And then, of course, there's just YouTube, where there's billions, I'm assuming, of videos that you could watch. And then there's, uh, you know, the Internet Archive, and, and then there's the whole world of the piracy stuff, the Cody stuff. I mean, there's just... It is just endless. And so... Um, I have found that I just sort of when I hear about a show I might like or a movie, I, I try to write it down, and uh, I have a file on my on my Google Documents called Watch List, and I just I try to write down because especially stuff I started watching but then stopped, especially TV series where I started watching it and then I just sort of jumped onto something else and never got back to it, but I have meant I meant to get back to it, so. I have that all on the like, just on a, a like a file on a tech, almost like the you know like a text file in the cloud. It is like, uh, and I feel like I'm that it's like, oh my, what's the right word for it? I feel a discomfort that I have gotten so disorganized in terms of what I'm watching. I shouldn't care. I should just be like, every day is a blank slate, and I don't have to watch anything. Watching entertainment stuff on. Watching videos is in general an indulgence, it's a pleasure. It should not become this for, this source of stress trying to figure out all the stuff that you that you dropped off of and everything. Right? And, you know, the streaming channels and their shows it, it I sort of felt like by this time in history we would have moved past just, just the entertainment produced by the big corporations. I mean, I, if you had asked me back in 1990, say, you know, you describe the technology we had, I would have been like, this is going to be amazing. No longer do these handful of corporations control, uh, you know, the television that people are getting, specifically, obviously the other medium, media as well. But um, finally... The independent creators of uh, of all of television, let's say, and uh, will now be able to uh, get directly to the people. They don't have to go through uh, a TV network or a huge corporation. And so the cream will rise to the top, and it will be an, an absolute revolution. You won't be watching CBS or NBC anymore or HBO, because it will be entertainment produced by your fellow people. That will be the one, the things that you'll watch. And I understand that, in a way, that just as I was describing that, I, I I could see that that did happen in terms of the social media, like TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that. There you are actually watching videos made by regular people, but I think the. The tone and quality and the nature of those videos is certainly not what I would have anticipated. I would have anticipated much greater works of art, you know, uh, than uh, than than the the short form videos of today. But then, of course, also the streaming channels. I've noticed even like just hanging out with people around here, like everyone like like one of the things people talk, oh, what have you been watching lately on streaming? Like that's sort of like the big topic of conversation. And there is still this kind of a commonality because the big streaming stations, they push certain shows, certain prestige shows, and they promote and advertise them amazingly. So it's still weird. It is almost sort of like the old days where everyone's kind of watching the same thing. Um, so it is still, corp. the main TV shows or streaming shows are still corporately controlled. Uh, and th- then there's independent media, but is it independent? Right? Because people are making little videos, but you see them via uh, some giant like tech corporation <laughs> yeah anyway things are a bit different now and I just sort of feel like the stress of trying to figure out what did I miss, what did I miss, what should I watch like it's, I realize I, sh- I should really face down that problem and just let go, let go of the need to keep track of this stuff or maybe find a better way to keep track of it I don't know, do I need to keep track of it I just want to say, like, if I, if, I wanna, if I feel like watching something and I, I don't have anything, I should I h- keep that list? Yeah. Anyway. But this really, ex- you know, this situation now of the so much to choose from. And that, that's the other thing. <coughs> there are literally millions of videos to choose from now. And um, it's there's only so much a hu- one person, one human being can take in terms of being forced to have to choose and figure out things themselves. Um, again, it's a, rea- it's a real double-edged sword. How about the other forms of media? Uh, music, of course, is a big one. What the hell is this van? This van just stopped in front of my house. What's going on? Um, yeah, music, of course. You know, from me growing up, music was a, a bit more focused... Uh, you had, of course, the radio, right, which, again, I, I think there was a few more than seven channels, but n- no more than in the tens of different stations you could bring in on AM and FM. And uh, you could hear music or talk stuff. Radio, I think, was, uh, you know, definitely a medium that I would listen to sometimes at home, but in the car, of course, consuming media Uh, as the driver you cannot watch video though I know they have a lot of cars that have video screens in the back for the kids Um, so listening to stuff and essentially it was the radio for many many years it was AM radio Uh, then FM came along and then of course the pre-recorded media Uh, I think uh, I know some cars had uh, record players but it just the bouncy bouncy nature of driving does not really work well with a record player so the cassette tapes, and I think the eight-track tapes that were very big and robust, and you sort of just jammed them into this slot. And I think I know a lot of our cars we had in the '70s had eight-track tape players, and then cassettes, right? And then after that, really just um, CD players uh, took over for a while. Then you had satellite radio as well, which is still sort of going; it is still going today. Um, and then what I do in the car, I just ha- I just have little those little flash USB flash drives. Just f- filled with MP3s. That's all I listen to when I drive around. I don't even bother with the radio anymore. I don't even want to try. I- I've tried so many times. Radio is just no fun anymore. Right. I would love it if there was a radio station I could still listen to, but there's really nothing. So that's how I consume uh, media in the car now. Pretty much exclusively the uh, the flash drive. But then you have to choose what to put on the flash drive. That's why I found that uh, collection I put together. What like over 20 years ago. Uh, the uh, of like thirty thousand different songs, that that's pretty cool to play around with. In the car, um, another major form of media we consume is print. And print has, uh, as a technology, has remained pretty static, right? My experience with print in terms of magazines, and books, and newspapers, brochures, etc., um, is pretty much this the same as it was back then. That is a medium where the visuals are uh, sort of imprinted on this physical material, and then you have it, and it just sort of sits there, and you can look at it whenever you want. Um, And print is still relevant to me. Uh, I have a ton of books, but I don't know. I I, don't—I would love to get back to reading books, like reading just fiction books, like but i found that i i can fit it into my schedule easier if it's uh if it's audiobooks i do audiobooks a lot um, but i so i still subscribe to a few magazines i i look at magazines i don't get newspapers so it's pretty much just uh magazines and uh the occasional book i look through <laughs> uh everything else is consumed on the computer so for example like manga you know japanese comics i read those somewhat sometimes and uh I do that all, in, all on a computer. And, of course, yeah, reading text is also a l- big thing you do on your computer and your phone. But in terms of print, print is still uh, a great medium. takes up a lot of space, though, and, uh, you know, you got to be careful. It just sort of piles up everywhere. Um, but pretty much consume that the same way. You look at it, and you turn the page and look at the next page, you <laughs> know. Uh, movies, of course, I remember a time where growing up we would go to, to go to the movies like every, every week. It was, and it was a really important part. It was really exciting and interesting, especially just imagine those years in the early 80s when everything coming out was amazing from Star Wars to Indiana Jones to, uh, uh, all the Star Trek movies to Blade Runner and oh my God, amazing, amazing time for movies and going to the movie theater was just such an incredibly different experience than you could have at home. Far, far uh, grander, huger, really, you know, the immersiveness of of cinema. A big screen and a great sound system, it's very immersive and um, it was much different than the TVs we had. The analog sets, uh, the picture on them was always a little fuzzy you know, not great resolution. Um, the sound, you know, usually decent, but not anything special. So back then, cinema was really, really important. And uh, I know a lot of people who, who care about it can put together a great home system. I just have never really cared that much about it. A home cinema kind of setup. Um but, of course, I think in recent... I mean, movie theaters still are still out there. In fact, uh, yeah, I th- this weekend, uh, the, ne- the Indiana Jones 5 is coming out, The Dial of Destiny. I would like to see that. I would like to see that in the movies, possibly. Um, but, yeah, I very rarely go to them. If I, I, if I go to three or four movies a year, that's, that's probably as much as I go see. You know, I, I do wind up seeing them occasionally, but not as much anymore. But, of course, you know, I think uh, my phone, of course, is a huge way of consuming media. Um, I have a Pixel, Google Pixel. So if you swipe to the right on the home screen, you get to this this news feed. And I just always find myself doing it, even if I don't want to. And the quality of what they put in there is not great. It's just sort of this, like, whenever you search for something, they'll give you stories based on that, even if it's not something that you want to get more stories on, you know. And there's supposed to be ways to customize it. But, yeah, just sort of scrolling through stuff. And, of course, to me, the games. I love games. I play game, video games, computer games, whatever you want to call them, on my phone and on my computer all the time. And I've kind of given up on a I – I, I don't play consoles anymore. I mean, I do have a, a Switch Lite. It's like a handheld. But, and I don't really use that too much. Yeah, I think I had a – the last one I had was like a PlayStation 3, I think. And then I just kind of gave up. on I don't know why. I just gave up on that. I can just play everything I want on my computer. It's just much easier. But, yeah, games as a medium. Again, just so many available, so many for free, and so many retro games. It's just like you're faced with choices of millions of things to choose from, which is really mind-boggling. But cool at the same time. I mean, one thing I love doing is... uh going on the internet archive and they have a magazine rack section and people are constantly uploading scan magazines in what they call the, the contribution index. So I love going on there and just browsing through what people have uploaded. It, it's just really, really, really amazing. And it's and it does similar to the uh, that experience of flipping through the channels, right? You're, you're sort of depending on a serendipity uh, to find something as opposed to just completely controlling what what you're going to uh, consume But, of course, on the computer, you also, you know, I, I use Apple Music as a streaming service. Uh, between Apple Music and YouTube and the piracy areas and everything else, and your own personal collection of downloads, music is, it's an amazing, amazing time for music. I really think people don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, th- I don't think people appreciate these streaming services as much as they should because, right? In the past, you might read about an album on in a magazine or something, and then you might not hear it for years. It, you would have to generally go buy a record, which was very expensive uh, related to buying power back in the past. You had to re- really choose carefully what you wanted to buy. Um, now you can pretty much hear anything you want, which I think because of just for me exploring music, listening to music I've never heard before, Refine like getting into deeper into bands. It is an amazing aesthetic uh, experience that was impossible in the past, just really impossible. You know, from phys- physicality to money to everything. Um, so having all this access to music, I think is incredible. And that's a, so. I consume music all the time. I'm huge into music. I have the speakers, the the Bluetooth speakers, the connected speakers. You know, the computer, whatever. you can listen to stuff on the phone so I'm constantly listening to music as far as podcasts go I do I do listen to of course to uh, the Overnight Escape Underground and a few other things but generally I'm not really into podcasts like from other places I don't know why I I think because I do my own I I don't know that you know beyond uh, the Overnight Escape Underground I I, I really I I really don't listen to any podcasts but like when when I'm in my kitchen you know my my the the alexa is like it's connected to amazon music but not amazon music premium so i usually just listen to internet radio station like uh uh soma fm underground 80s that's a really good one that just has kind of really really good early early to mid 80s uh, you know synth pop songs so while i'm you know like cleaning or cooking or whatever i'll I'll put that on yeah So what about the future of consuming media? Uh, Well, I do think that as much as we're in a very difficult time for AI, at least of its uh, public perception, there's a great negative perception of AI right now, but I do feel that once we reach a level at AI, they're going to start to create, and they've actually been talking about this, but um, a new kind of personal assistant that uh, can really keep. When I'm saying I have a text file to keep track of the things I watched, um, this personal assistant, this AI assistant, will completely take over that task and relieve you of all of these mental to do lists and everything related to your media and uh, really manage that all for you and suggest to you uh, what, you know, something that you may have already forgotten about. Oh, why don't you watch this, you know? So I think there will be. AI will assist us in terms of the media that we have at our disposal and the the sequences and the narratives of how we uh, approach it Uh, I would definitely like to have a media assistant an AI media assistant Um, I I do think and I think I mentioned this on my show the other day I do think that we're going to get to a point where um, the devices will all become universal that is you'll have a phone, a tablet a TV and it can become your your stuff in the cloud will go to that device. So you won't have to worry about your own phone. There will be very cheap uh devices that will look like it look like a smartphone, but it just as soon as you pick it up it'll recognize you for example and just continue playing the movie maybe you were watching on another one of those things, right? It's I think it's going to be much better and then anywhere there's a screen uh, it becomes your your stuff is on that screen. You don't have to worry about how to get that stuff, right? Because it's all going to be in the cloud. And I think this is and that along with the assistant, I think is going to uh, make consumption of uh, media much much easier and smoother. Though, of course, there's larger implications in terms of you know, should we be w- looking at watching so many TV shows and movies? Should should be or should we be out out walking in nature? I don't know. Um, then of course there's the medium of, uh, VR, uh, you know, or, you know, augmented reality, mixed reality, you know, uh, I think we are going to be having, if you look at the, what is it? The Apple, uh, vision pro that headset they're, uh, coming out with that's not out yet where they're just sort of creating virtual screens in front of you. Um, so it could be something like that, but what about something more? I don't know, like uh, anything different, though, anything that is actually not something we have now. I mean, I know that, uh, for example, um, movies like like uh, when I was involved in, in the VR scene, we were talking about um, the ability to make like kind of like movies that you could sort of be inside in VR, even to the point that the little head movements you have, right? change the relationship to everything so it's like you're actually inside the scene and um, yeah I mean of course that's eminently doable I mean you just need to have a 3D representation of everything especially with AI (laughs) so really being inside a movie as opposed to watching it on a screen or all videos you sort of go inside of right Um, as opposed to just looking at it on a screen I think that's why I thought it was strange that the Apple Vision Pro, which will be a new way to consume media, really relegated it to, It's it could so much be a three-dimensional thing rather than flat screens, but they just have flat screens floating in three-dimensional space. But eventually, we can see not ever being, not ever looking at a screen, but always being inside the screen, right? And, and it being all around you. Um, so that could be a new way of consuming media. Um and I don't know, like in some in science fiction, oh, you can read a book by s- taking a pill and the, the book is in the pill and as soon as you swallow it, you, then you remember the entire book, things like that. Could that happen? Possibly. But yeah, and of course, here in the Overnight Escape Underground, we have a lot of media to consume, so everyone should be doing that as well. <laughs> Anyways, just a few thoughts on how we consume media. Back to you, PQ.
0: And and this media, it, it's also confusing. I mean, very Philip K. Dick, like that's seeing screens everywhere and being able to interact with this, eventually like it's a skin over reality and you don't really see, you know, everything is clean always. And there might be little nanotech robots that actually clean everything or keep it sanitary. You know, it's just this blank room, and all the media and everything are just these virtual... It's And you just pay for a service to give you that. I What a future we may have. Oh, man. It's very different than uh, what I would have imagined. Even reading a lot of science fiction, although little hints of it were there. Um, the idea of, like, people traveling on a spacecraft for years and years to get to other star systems and how they would keep themselves sane and occupied, that sort of thing. But now we're just doing it uh, right here, right here on Earth. Um, yeah, uh, books, Frank was talking about. Yeah, books seem to be the last realm of obsession. It, it You really... You can't just half listen. You can half listen to an audio book. But I suppose you can sit and just flip the pages and think about something else while you're doing it, get lost in thought, and only half take it in. But books, they require focus. They take up space. And we tend to want them on the shelves. There's some sort of, I don't know, I just got rid of, and I work in a bookstore where I'm surrounded by them. But I just had, like, it, what I'm never going to even look at these things again, and they're so important, and the idea of parting with them was so traumatic. But now that they're gone, I mean, it, they're gone, and there's plenty of other books in the world. Um, yeah, it's really kind of a strange obsession, um, and I'm not sure how that works, but I feel like I'm moving away from it and into... I don't know, I read on a computer now, and I do read a lot, but maybe not as much as I used to that either. And going to a movie, that's just too focused and overwhelming to go to a theater, sit down, and, and these places are all about the experience now, more the food and the incredible this, and you can... I don't know, it's just the comfortable seat... I, it's all outside of my realm, I haven't, I go to so few movies, and the movie theater here is very much like an old school movie theater, it's not one of these modern cineplex comfort zones, Uh, that's just, I mean in my head it seems to have an appeal, but the idea, number one is a single person going out and indulging in that, And if I'm with somebody, I'd rather spend the time with them, watch something on Netflix, in the house, and just have that being with somebody instead of being with a crowd. I think I've lost that need to be with a crowd, perhaps. The idea of going to a theater just has almost no appeal. And I've never... I I luckily have not gotten into using the phone... ...as a media device, although my laptop obsession is bad enough, I have to admit. But it really seems to me that the phone focuses my attention on too small a space. And I see it with other people. If I have a laptop out and something else is going on... ...I feel like I'm more prone to look up and participate in the real world. Whereas you see, like, these places, say, where people are waiting, a waiting room... Or like the the DMV I was at recently, everybody waiting had their phone out, and they were just so focused. It was like even if their name was called, they were whatever they were doing on that phone consumed their entire consciousness. And I feel that to a certain degree when I'm messing around with the laptop, but I don't feel that if something was happening around me. I would just completely fail to notice it. And that could be an illusion too. And uh, podcasts, more and more. I don't listen to many non-onset podcasts either. Especially now that I'm doing the Great Appreciation Showcases. Oh, those are so much fun. I dream of getting some sort of job doing a syndicated overnight radio show. Very much like that. I wonder if that's viable. I wonder how you package that and present it. I mean, I would have to use basically only public domain, creative commons material. But theoretically, it could be done. I mean, to use the OnSug stuff, I guess because somebody somewhere would be making money, I would have to get some sort of a license. But I think the hosts on on OnSug would feel compelled, maybe. I don't know. Uh, if somebody asked to use my show... And I kind of thought... Oh, they're going to make money. I don't know what I'd think. But I think I'd let it go. I can always make more shows, obviously. Every time I think the well is dry. I, I Maybe it is and I'm just milking a dead cow or something. But I think I'm learning to talk... And present my ideas better and better. Especially recently somehow. But not, nonetheless... Um, what I listen to in podcasts now, it, I go through some phases and, uh, I'll listen to encapsulations. And, uh, I, like I was listening to Anthony Cumia for a while, but I stopped and I'm not listening to Anthony Cumia. Uh, I'll listen to some comic book related podcasts and then I won't, uh, or, uh, professional wrestling history ones. And then I won't. So it's not really something that's constant like you know when I was a kid I thought my entire life would be you go home and you watch primetime TV and the phases of that changed and follow your favorite shows as they go on and on and shows would run uh, Lucy Lucy was on forever wasn't she? I don't know And, and maybe there are people who are on forever now I mean, there are people, I guess, who watch late-night TV... ...and every night they watch who... ...I don't even know who the hosts are... ...who hosts The Tonight Show. Well, well I think... I, did, it, did they resolve that strike? Did they go on strike? I am so out of it... ...with all of these forms of media... ...that I used to at least pay some passing attention to. And this idea of like a pill or a brain chip... ...that instantly injects a media into your head... And you would actually get the whole thing, not just the bits that penetrate between whatever else your brain does with it. I mean, who actually watches a TV show so focused that after it's over, they just, everything they remember. Um, well, my mind doesn't do that. And, and the idea of AI, like an assistant, thinking for us, I mean, that's back to, like, TV Guide, just having that, because who controls the AI And would somebody be able to like, oh no, or like the YouTube algorithm, suddenly things you like just quietly fade away. And yes, they're still there, but this brain has, oh man. Anyways, I got to thank James, welcome again James, and Frank for their contributions. And if you want to do a follow-up or you want to participate in next week's topic which is somewhat related and just a digression, really. Um, next week, we are going to discuss YouTube 2023. So this ties right back in in how we consume media. If you missed this week and you had a few things to say, some thoughts, um, YouTube 2023 is the topic for next week's Overnightscape Central and uh, the more or less deadline for your participation Here's here's where I tell you how you can participate, just in case uh, you didn't know, you forgot, you need some reminding, or I just need to say it because I feel so compelled. Um, the deadline is July 10th, 2023. Get it to me by the evening time, uh, Mountain Time USA, and uh, I'll have plenty of time to include you in the package and commentary that happens here at the Chalet Studio each and every week where we do this, the Appreciator Series, and who knows what else will come out of this as time fluctuates on by. Um, If you don't feel like talking or you're mic shy or you don't have the opportunity because there are people around, write your thoughts down and send me an email, and I'm more than happy to read your thoughts on your behalf so you too can have your say and participate in the Overnightscape Central. Because that's what this is like. This is a forum for us all to talk and compare ideas. And the more participants, the thicker and richer this whole thing can be. Um, the email address for you to send such things is kpqr.torc at gmail. Once more, kpqr.torc at gmail.com. And this this has been fun, I have to say. Uh, Bringing the topic out of the Beatles is a little mind-stimulating. And uh, I really look forward to hearing from you next week, right here on the Overnightscape Central. And until we next meet, Set the controls for the heart of the fun.